0: Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Banter Podcast, where birders talk birding. Talking about birding, birders have been talking about a rare bird lately around here, a yellow-browed warbler shown up near Victoria, B.C. on Vancouver Island. This is a bird that belongs in Asia and Europe, certainly does not belong in Victoria. But birds have wings, they get around, and this guy showed up there. I have broken all the rules of chasing. Claire Burnson was my guest on a previous episode, and he has three rules of birding. But the first rule is, go now. The second rule is, if you don't go now, don't complain later. That's in, regarding chasing rare birds. So I've broken the first two rules, but I'm hoping to go tomorrow anyway. And if this bird is really obliging, it will stick around another day, and I'll get a tick on my ABA list with a really rare bird. Hope for me. Hope it sticks around. We'll see. I'll let you know next podcast how that works out. My guest today is a specialist in rare birds, especially rare Asian vagrants. He leads tours for a company called ZBirdingTours.com that leads trips to primarily islands off the coast of Alaska. Attu is the easternmost island in the Aleutian chain. It's much closer to Russia than it is to Anchorage. And people go to Attu. have over the years gone to Attu in search of really rare birds to add to their North American birding list. The ability to go to Attu fell by the wayside when the accommodations there just deteriorated to a point where they were no longer usable. People used to stay in old military barracks there. There was a huge battle between the Japanese and the Americans in World War II over control of Attu, which was felt to be a key strategic uh, point for uh, military presence, uh, but the old barracks were used for birders by a company called Atours that went there for a number of years. But that ceased to be practical, and people just couldn't get there. is felt to be closed to birding. But John Pushok found a way. He found a boat that can realistically take birders from Adak out to Attu, bird for a while, and come back. So zbirdingtours.com is your way to get to Attu these days, There's a trip planned for next year that still has openings, John tells me. Uh, So John leads those trips. He also leads other trips in Alaska looking for primarily rare birds. So John is an expert in that area. He also has been well-known in the ABA birding community. He used to be one of the people who updated the rare bird alerts on the ABA blog site and hasn't done that for a while, but that's when I first heard his name. The name's almost mythical to me. I uh, haven't run into him, but I've heard everybody talk about him. Nice guy, really good birder, great tour leader. Never met him until today. But my lucky day today, John agreed to drive down from Seattle to be my guest on the Bird Banner Podcast episode number 37. Help me welcome John Pushak. So John, welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast.
1: Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me here.
0: Yeah, I appreciate it. Just drove down from Seattle. I heard the traffic wasn't too bad.
1: Not by Seattle standards or Tacoma standards. No. That's good. Yeah.
0: That's good. So, John, I'd like to start by just kind of hearing your birding story. How did you get... I know you're here in Seattle now. I think you started in California, did you not?
1: No. No. Um, well, tell I mean, me your story. Moved here, I moved here from California. Okay. I'm originally from Pennsylvania. Oh, okay. Bi-coastal.
0: I'm bi-coastal also. Oh, nice.
1: Nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, the... Uh, um, I have been... Traveling around the country a lot since I started birding, uh, I started when I was in junior high school and uh, chose to become a biologist with birds. so like many folks who started out early um, and followed this path, I took a lot of seasonal jobs and usually I picked places that I needed new birds, sure you know, in the ABA area. so I moved around quite a bit.
0: So you're a lister from the get-go
1: Yeah, pretty much cool. Cool.
0: Uh, so what tweaked your interest to begin with? How did, I mean, we all find something that tweaks our fancy and our passion. How did birds come to be something you chose?
1: Well, before I was birding, I was interested in fishing for a couple of years. And I don't know why I was interested in that, but I was. And then in junior high school, I had a, in science class, I had a bird project to do. And, you know, part of it was actually going out and looking at birds. And I found out it was, I was better at seeing birds and catching fish. And it was easier to do, especially when you're, you know, a young kid and can't drive around much. Sure. Uh, so I could just walk out of my house and look for birds. So I just, within that year or so, kind of transitioned to becoming a bird watcher.
0: Okay. And then, obviously, that passion developed. Uh, you particular people in your youth or events that kind of really got you going gung ho or just gradually grew?
1: Yeah, it just kind of grew into it. Um, you know, people have spark birds or mentors. I just I can't say what it was for me. It just it just happened. Just happened. Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: Way cool. Uh, and you said you became a biologist. Did you study biology in school or?
1: Yeah, I uh, I went to Penn State uh, for a wildlife science degree. Okay. And then Went to New Mexico State and got a master's in that.
0: Okay. In ornithology or?
1: That was also wildlife science. Wildlife science. Yeah.
0: Okay. Great. Did you actually work in that field particularly? You said you took uh, seasonal jobs that found you cool birds. Tell me about a few of those.
1: Uh, Well, we'll probably end up talking about Alaska. Uh Uh-huh. And my interest in Alaska started when I got a job banding birds in northwest Alaska for the Park Service, running map stations.
0: Up by northwest, sort of like Barrow Uh, or? No, it was it?
1: based in Kotzebue, but we flew around a few okay. stations. Right, Barrow's that,
0: got a new name, doesn't it? Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, also hard to pronounce. But yes. <laughs> yeah, and Kotzebue is north of Nome. So we're talking about that corner of the state.
0: Okay. Very cool. So you took a summer job there doing bird banding and that sort of thing. Uh, and uh, what other, that was the beginning of your Alaska experiences?
1: Yeah, that was about... 20, a little bit more than 20 years ago. And prior to that, I had, you know, jobs in Arizona, uh, doing spotted owl surveys, and some of my earliest jobs were looking for goshawk nests in northwest Pennsylvania and doing some point counts there.
0: Okay. So did some raptor stuff. Very cool. And uh, how did, uh, how did you come to be such an Alaska guru? How did Alaska get in your blood?
1: Well, you know, like I said, I, had, I was up there... For bird banding in the late '90s, and one of the places we uh, were banding birds was at the Kelly Bar, which had been the place to go for gray-headed chickadees. Okay. So I was going in there hoping I would see one, and I had one brief encounter with a bird, which I'm not sure if it was or not. It was a very quick look, and uh, you know I had to let that go. And it turned out, you know it was a the kelly bar was a good spot for that bird up until about the mid 90s or so and i got there a little bit late uh so you know a couple of years went by and i was you know uh ruin missing that bird and uh i suggested maybe i was thinking maybe of somehow doing a tour up there to get back up there okay and uh i suggested it to to someone and they're like well that sounds like an interesting idea but you know maybe not and you know the odds of finding it are really low mm-hmm. uh, but then shortly after that discussion read an article about adac opening up to the public oh, okay and i you know me and the other guys started talking and we you know ended up signing to do a tour there and that's sort of how i started so you, going so you, back to Alaska and tours. So you doing tours.
0: did a tour with a tour company or you did your yeah, own I was tour? Work,
1: I was working for Birdtrex
0: okay. first. So went went to ADAC with Birdtrex for your first uh, you know, island rarity chasing sort of yeah. uh, trip. Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: so I did that for a few years.
0: Okay. And that obviously worked out okay.
1: Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, People would, a few people were suggesting that I try to get to Attu, which was, you know, at that point, the thought was it was closed. Couldn't, couldn't but, do it anymore. Yeah, it, it was after, after. Basically, because
0: you couldn't live in the the structures anymore. Yeah. Uh, and you couldn't fly there, anymore, no, you, could you?
1: Yeah, but, you know, there was a lot of uh, logistical problems for getting there. And, you know, tours has stopped in 2000. Mm-hmm. And it was like the conception, you know, the, the, was that you can't go, go there anymore. But it just turned out it was very difficult to fly there, no place to stay. And that's how it became closed, air quotes around right. closed. Right. Uh, so I was in the ADAC and uh, was talking to the one of the refuge biologists uh, about people wanting to go there. But you're not really being able to get there. And he just happened to mention that there was this new boat in Homer who might be interested. Uh, the owner might be interested in doing right. work like that. So I got in touch with him. And he said, hey, let's try it. You know, And that's how we started going back. That's how to, you
0: started. Yeah. So, so I have not uh, obviously been on your tour. Does the boat go to adac and pick people up there and then on to go from homer to adac and then pick people up in adac and head off to Athens. yes
1: yeah uh all the tour participants we fly out to adac right so it would take about generally about a week to go from homer to adac
0: okay uh oh so you go on the boat from homer to adac
1: no no the boat the boat the, takes about oh the boat
0: takes a week okay Yeah. i i i, I picked up on that. I misunderstood. Yeah. Uh, and so from Adak to Attu I, I, is quite a ways.
1: It's about 400 miles. Okay. And so you just basically
0: churn your way through the seas to get there. I mean, it's not like a meandering trip. It's a beeline trip. No,
1: everyone wants to get there. Get there, So we try not to right. take any longer than we need to.
0: Yes. So I'm sure that you're doing some pelagic birding on the, on the boat on the way, at least when... Let's, daylight most of the time then i guess mm-hmm. uh, yeah so <laughs> as many hours as you can keep your eyes awake yes <laughs> uh, cool uh, so you what sort of birds do you get on the way you probably get some alcids and some gulls and tube noses
1: pretty much anything that occurs in the illusions we see on that stretch uh basically every alcid in the Bering z except uh we're too far south for Dove Key or Black Eulomot. There's an extremely small population of uh, rhinoceros auklet that breeds on bull deer, which I have not yet seen in the Aleutians. Okay. Uh, I, my guess
0: is not many people go up there looking for a rhinoceros auklet.
1: No, so. no. that's You can get to see <laughs> that a lot okay easier. Miss. Yeah. It's an okay mess. Yeah, but uh, uh, some of the murlets are more near shore, like kitletses. I haven't seen from the boat, but we see them both at ADAC and Attu. Right. But right. basically everything else, including whiskered auklets, all the other auklets.
0: What tube doses do you get
1: on that trip? There are thousands and thousands of Mars. I'm i very tired of seeing Mars anymore. <laughs> uh, then we have short-tailed shearwaters and uh, two storm petrels, fork-tailed and leeches. And... Mm-hmm. Uh, Everyone wants to get modeled petrol, that's kind of the the hoped for bird. Yes. And numbers vary year to year. It's uh always a rarity. Some years have I've we've had a few as, as few as zero. Uh but up to three hundred or more wow. back in twenty thirteen. And that was there was like a steady stream. It's a good year that year. Up, yeah. But, you know, if we see five to ten, that is a a good result.
0: Sure. So you get to Attu and i I've, I've talked with Christian hagenlach who's been on on your trip mm-hmm. twice, twice I think uh, and I guess once you get into the harbor or I call it a harbor for lack of a better name in sheltered water at mm-hmm. Attu, it's pretty you know calm and uh, doable. yes, so uh, for anyone who wants to go. You know, you might have a rough ride over and you might have a rough ride back, but at least sleeping in the boat while you're there, you're not being thrown all over the place.
1: Usually. Um, the, <laughs> usually. The, the trip out, since we're going in the against the pre- predominant wind direction, usually takes longer than the ride back. Okay. Usually the ride back is pretty smooth. Uh, oh, before I forgot the tube noses, there's also, we get three species of... Albatross. Albatrosses. Yeah. So short-tailed albatross is another one of the big stars of the sure. portion but that's you know knock on wood pretty much expected at this point the numbers I've noticed have been increasing just in the past 10 years we see more than uh, when we started going out
0: they've been seen twice off off Westport this year I, yeah. I saw them in March and they were seen again this fall so that's really yeah. special
1: yeah down here in the lower 48 it's always uh, like ones. yeah very young birds we get full range all the way up to full adults up there
0: golden nape
1: yeah very nice i like the sub-adult ones it's very they're very interesting Mm -hmm. looking halfway between the juvenile and adult stage very cool yeah very cool but getting back to the yeah once once you get to attu as long as the you know the swell isn't coming from the southeast we're usually well we're in casco cove which is protected from all directions except the southeast okay so if the weather turns to that direction, sometimes we move over to uh, hide behind Alexei Point. Or in, you know, cases where a big storm comes through, we may move to the north side of Attu for a day. Shelter. Or go over to Agatu and shelter over there.
0: Okay. Uh, I mean, it, I I assume weather is a mixed blessing there. You're hoping for westerly winds. and
1: Yeah. I'm actually... West winds are okay. What we really want is a storm with rain on it. I found that is what brings an actual fallout of birds. Oh, okay. Otherwise rain. they can fly over. Yeah. Or I, I think a lot of these birds are really don't get displaced unless they're in a storm. They're okay. pro- if it's just west winds, they're probably compensating over the sea. Okay. But it seems if there's an actual...
0: A storm from the west would be optimal. Yes. How often do you get that sort of thing? Well... And you're there for just a few days, really. Well... I mean, it looks like a 13-day tour, and it's a few days to go and a few days to get back. Yeah.
1: If if everything works out okay, as far as weather for travel to, mm-hmm. to and back, we were about, there are about 12 days. Oh, okay. In the past couple of years, I've been trying to do uh, adding three days to that to mm-hmm. increase the chances of a storm coming sure. through. I think the weather has probably changed a bit from now compared to, say, twenty, thirty years ago. Oh. Because if you read the old stories of birding there, it's always, you know, sideways rain and cold and miserable. Right. Well, that may I, be
0: just because that's what people remember. I don't know.
1: Well, yeah, I was going to get to <laughs> that, too. Because um, you hear the old stories about all these great birds you had, but, you know, those stories are compressing every bird you saw within two to three weeks. So it may seem like more. But know, one of these days, I'll do some more statistical analysis to see how the historical records compare to now. But people who had been out there in the old days and then out with me have commented about how much nicer the weather is oh. now. And I've, I've gotten sunburn out there more often than I've been soaked with rain.
0: More sunburn than frostbite.
1: Yes. yes. Yeah. So... You know, it it seems we are getting less storms now, and that could be depressing, the number of birds we're finding, but we're also out there for a shorter time period than the old tours were. Uh, We do have fewer people, so there's probably some effect of less people finding the birds. Effort bias. Yeah. So it's a a little hard to say how things have compared from now to in the past, but I think definitely there seems to be less weather than we had.
0: Mm Mm-hmm uh so on a, a, a if I were to take you a trip, would you venture to say that there's a thirty percent chance a seventy percent chance just i mean I'm just trying to guess that the chances of having a really spectacular fallout of birds or on any given year or i'm assuming less than half i don't know
1: it's it that's also hard to say um the past four tours or so have had at least one storm would be in there right after a storm came through. Um, Like 2016, 2015 or 2016, we weren't there in 2015, but there was a good, it was a pretty good year at ADAC. Okay. uh, What I saw reports from. So it seemed like the middle of the decade there, there was a switch from a little bit, you know, better chance of having storms. So, I think every year... We've we've had at least one storm come through while we're there, except this past year. But there was one right before we got there.
0: So you got that a good birds right off the get go.
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So it,
0: it sounds like if anyone were to take your trip, they're guaranteed of a uh, uh, an experience of a lifetime. I mean, they're gonna go on this. Crazy will, long trip across the.
1: I will guarantee an experience. Yes.
0: Uh, <laughs> a, a long boat ride across the, the Arctic sort of seas or subarctic seas uh, to an obscure island that few people get to bird on, that uh, you're almost guaranteed of some Asian rarities, some, some, a couple of shorebirds, a couple of uh, songbirds, and guaranteed of a chance mm-hmm. at something really spectacular. Uh, so it sounds like a fabulous opportunity for anyone who wants to do it to me.
1: Yeah, it just depends, you know, if if you are willing to be on a boat, you know, that's on the Bering Sea for a couple of days. That's that's the biggest. Yeah, that would be know.
0: the scary thing for me, just getting there. Yeah, you know, that, I I have been seasick. And I don't like that, but I, I, lately I've been doing better. So
1: I, I I do not like being seasick myself, and I I found the patch for me mm-hmm. has worked wonders
0: i know a lot of people i i i can put the patch on and you just wake me up when a bird comes so it doesn't doesn't help me a lot to be sleeping the whole yeah. trip uh but but i do well with maclucine and gingins and never stop eating mm-hmm. that, that works for me so we all have our recipes of how we don't get sick on pelagics it's good that we each know our body yeah <laughs> cool uh so uh, in terms of accommodations what's it like to sleep on this boat is it, uh, the uh, the we have a reasonably comfortable place to lay down. Or, I've I've slept on boats that you know were more like a park bench, and I've slept on boats boats that were more like a, a narrow couch.
1: All right, Well, it's a little bit better than a narrow couch, I would say. You know, we're, no, we're okay. not looking. It's not a luxury but, cruise but ship, but
0: it's reasonably
1: comfortable. It's it it's uh, utilitarian. Mm-hmm. the cabins are that you have two bunks each one has four um uh, there there's plenty of storage room for gear but usually only room for one person <laughs> to stand up and change sure
0: yeah that sounds like a pretty typical uh trip. Tri- i've gone on the searcher out of uh out of uh, san, diego. san diego it's probably not too dissimilar to that in terms of uh accommodations that was a pretty cool trip, I have yeah, to say.
1: Yeah, I've it's one I need to get on.
0: It's it's worth it. Yeah,
1: yeah I have to uh, see a uh, Guadalupe merlin yet.
0: Oh yeah, I'm I'm one bird ahead of you. <laughs> That's a weird thing, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, uh, it's it's great. Have you seen the new uh, the Townsend's uh, uh, stone petrel? Or I, seen it when you could n- name it.
1: <laughs> I I was on the boat. Uh, when Steve Howell was taking photos that have now shown up in his Tube Nose book. Okay. As so you, th- you
0: think you can list that one? You know?
1: Well, no, I ha- well I haven't counted because at the time it was not split. And okay. I was like, well, that's interesting that he's doing that. But I didn't okay. know what the criteria were. Sure. And it turns out I went back through my photos and I did not take many photos on that trip. So I don't uh-huh. I don't have shots of towns and so I know I've seen it, but I feel like Yeah. will get, get out again. Yeah. I haven't earned it yet. He'll get
0: out again. But that searcher trip to give a plug for them, oh my goodness, what a trip. It's really, really fun. I mean, even it would be fun if even if you're not a bird And The food is great, the weather is generally warm can be
1: at least. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, and whales. Oh, never was, si- never seen so many whales in my life.
1: I was going to ask what's the cetacean show oh, like?
0: We went on the first first day of that trip we I, I guess not, not the first night you take off at like three or four in the afternoon then you sleep and you wake up and the next day you're going up the inside the Channel Islands and uh, on the day I was we did that when I was on the boat the sea was red with krill. Mm. I mean it was just Roiling Red Seas and whales is for, I think, 100 blue whales, uh, maybe 100 other whales. Uh, and we just sort of stopped the boat, turned it off, and it was just a show around us for two or three hours. It was just ridiculous. Nice. Uh, and all sorts of dolphins. I'm not, I don't even know the names of them, all, many of mm. them, but dolphins just do- almost jumping over the boats, just everywhere, you know. So it's nice. spectacular. And I, I think that was exceptionally good, but I think you can plan on it being very, very mm-hmm. good. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Nice. Pretty cool.
1: It's on my to do list.
0: Yeah, it's that I sign up early. Well, you can probably be a leader. They they get a guest leader every now and then. Uh, Shawnee Finnegan mm-hmm. was the invited guest leader, the, the right. trip I took. Maybe, maybe you. Okay, uh, so
1: who, if you happen to be listening to the searcher people, uh, I'm raising my hand. I will
0: put in a word for you. I, you. I, John McGovern. John? John is the primary leader. I, I can't think of his name. I'll think of it. But uh, he is... Uh, you can
1: edit in his name. I'll edit in his yeah, name,
0: yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll put it in the podcast notes at least. Uh, and he... Uh, they purposely have, I want to say, four routine leaders that go almost every year. And they s- kind of rotate a sort of fresh blood guest leader every year. Shanine was out the year I went. and uh, And no reason you couldn't be that person that I can think of.
1: Well, other than my, yeah, you, know, you know, difficult personality.
0: Well, you seem to be yeah. doing okay today.
1: Yeah. All right, thank you. <laughs> you could have hit
0: Five days, maybe, out of that
1: might be yeah, a stretch. Yeah. It's, but... <laughs> a, it's, it's, it's plenty for my family or, you know, they right. have enough of me after a while.
0: Anyway, uh, so Atu, people can put on their list. It's a can-do again, so it's very possible. For
1: now, yes. yes. At, it's, at least for...
0: next year there's a trip planned.
1: Yes, we have a trip planned. Um, Is it full? No, it's not no. full. So you can I'll, go next year. Yes. Okay. Uh,
0: uh, there, you have some. What's what are your trips to Adak like? I saw there's two things I saw about Adak. You have just a land-based trip, and then you have a pelagic three-day or four-day pelagic trip out there. Three or four ADAC. day. Yeah. I,
1: I haven't been doing the any land tours there. Oh, you much? N- not in the past couple of years. Okay. Uh, well, mostly just the pelagic trip. Okay. Which involves the same boat. Uh, we go out for about three days. Um, usually there's time at the end to do some birding around the island, which we need to get killed cismerlet and Aleutian Turn. Sometimes there are still some Asian birds showing up like Hawfinch. We had uh common rosefinch one year, wood sandpipers are sometimes there. So nice. still a chance for some of that.
0: Nice. So there's a little bit of a land based add on after the after, as after time lodges. allows, yeah. yes. Okay, very cool. But
1: mainly the, as weather permitting, we head out to Seaguam Pass, which takes about a day from Adak, and that is a, one of the best spots, in the Bering Sea area for short-tailed albatrosses.
0: Okay, so good chance of short-tailed albatross, and I'm assuming a bunch of alcid's again.
1: Yeah, the. Uh, Major spot for Whiskered Auklets is only about a 90-minute boat ride from ADAC. Oh, okay. So if we leave late at night, we'll get them on the way back. But oftentimes, we see them going out and coming back in, too. Very cool.
0: And for those who don't know Alaska, Allison's Whiskered is the one you have to go to specific places at specific times to get. I mean, most of the others are relatively easier to get.
1: Yeah, Whiskered Auklet is... I mean, just the Aleutians and Commander Islands over in Russia. Um, most limited range of all the species.
0: Right, right. Uh, and Adak, do you have... St. Lawrence Gamble is where they have more of the cliffs, breeding cliffs. Yeah, Adak doesn't have... Adak doesn't have breeding bird, uh, cliffs, big no. breeding populations. No,
1: like there's some... You can see some places that have uh, tufted puffin colonies, but they're burrowing under, under the ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's none of that huge cliff spectacles like right. at St. Paul.
0: Okay, so different experience. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do both, I guess. <laughs> Good. Uh, so, do you have any, uh, uh, you know, most memorable days at Atu that you wanted to kind of share a story
1: about? Well, I'm not a great storyteller, but I'll have a few anecdotes, and uh, maybe just an I think, anecdote. I then. think the first. The first thing that comes to mind is our first time we had a big storm come through while we were out there, which was in 2013. And the winds were gusting probably over 60 miles an hour or so. And we were out biking around. One of my other guides actually literally got blown off his bike. (laughs) I was riding on the runway and this gust came through and I immediately had to make a 90 degree right turn because that's where the wind pushed me And it was... We just got soaked that day. uh, Off, we put the our wet gear in the engine room to dry off, and it was just this huge pile of boots and rain gear and other coats that day. Um, Not much to show for it. Then we woke up the next morning, clear skies. It was like a, you know, this was May thirty first, but it was kind of like a nice, crisp fall day sort Mm -hmm. of weather. And as soon as we got on shore at the base of Gilbert Ridge could hear all these bird call notes going on and we found several brambling and siberian ruby throat and our first gray wagtail within like the first half hour or so So that was like the the first really great attude kind of day that i've had out there and we ended up getting dark-sided flycatcher and gray streaked flycatcher and common couple common cuckoos and
0: very spectacular. Yeah, yeah. so very, that's, that's very what,
1: spectacular. that was the first indication of oh, we need a storm. You know, it's not just having a west wind blowing that brings the birds in.
0: Okay, so kind of getting your uh, getting your feel for when to go to bed, expecting something spectacular yeah. in the morning, or yeah. at least having better chances. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool. You also uh, do a trip and and forgive me. The the new name for Barrow is.
1: Oh, I, I've heard several pronunciations of it, and there's this, this discussion recently on tweeters about it. And oh, okay. there's a link to an NPR page. that has someone uh, saying pronouncing it. it.
0: it has but, a new Native Alaskan name.
1: Yeah, it's uh, like Utkiavik. Yes, something like I'm that. awful. Okay,
0: bit. so you do trips there too. You
1: lead trips there. That mm-hmm. looks to me looks really interesting. What's that trip like? Well, I actually have two. Oh, okay. uh, my first one I started ten years ago I was going there. In October for Ross's goals oh okay, and i i it may be the lowest species total of any commercially available bird tour, but it's you know the <laughs> birds you see is it's the important part, and like first time I went up there, we had a day of very conservative estimate five thousand Ross's goals. It was probably oh more than more than ten thousand because I didn't do much counting, but there were a couple. People with me did a few one-minute counts, and they had like 140 birds passing per minute. Wow! And that went on for a couple of hours. And now, since then, we've had varying degrees of success. One year had just two, but usually we see hundreds to a thousand or more. But things started turning last year. Uh, didn't have. I had one Ross's goal before the group got there. We ended up having zero Ross's goals, Ooh. and then went to the airport. And as we're sitting in the airport, someone who was still out there texted me: "They had a bird fly by," <laughs> and then it turned out it's, I think a few hundred came by after that. Oh
0: my God! So time, yeah. but it's not a gimme, but it's a good chance.
1: Yeah. Well, I don't. I'm not sure how things are changing. Um, this year, I didn't have a tour, but again, it was very poor for Ross's goal. There were sightings on like three days. A little bit later in the in the month. I've heard
0: the theory, and I don't know if it's you adhere to it or it makes any sense, that with the receding ice pack, the gap of water is so much wider that the birds may not be channeled right in close to shore. Is that...
1: I, I When I first started going up there, I wasn't really paying attention to maps of the ice. We When we were there, we don't see sea ice. Okay. Uh, what I found at the time was a the birds would come closest to shore when there was High winds and it was really stirring things up. So they were co- Oh, okay. Coming food was getting, from- and they were coming there. Um, so I don't know if the, how closely associated they are with the sea ice. Hard to say. Uh, the first four years up there, we had like single ivory goals and none since then. Though again, this this year when I was not there, they have up to three adult ivory goals there nice. in first week or two of October. So.
0: So. If you go on that trip, you have a good chance at Ross's gull and a remote chance at Ivory gull.
1: Well, let's see how things develop with the Ross's gulls. You know, up to two years ago, I would have said, yes, you have an excellent chance at Ross's gulls. Okay. Now, the way things are changing, I'm not sure.
0: Okay. Could be. It's one of the uh, more likely places to see those two species.
1: Yes. If you're going to go look for Ross's gulls, it's still probably your best bet for now.
0: So besides the gulls, uh, I guess in the fall you're not going to see like the shorebirds are gone pretty most, much yeah, done might be around maybe not even duh.
1: yeah any any sandpiper up there other than red fellows, there's still a lot usually there's a lot of red phallops around uh it it varies year to year though okay yeah
0: and you've been leaving a spring trip yeah yes? uh
1: like june oh, yeah. 13th or so which is spring up there yeah yeah, yeah and that's for you know more of Lots of shorebirds displaying uh, eiders. Eiders is probably the biggest attraction.
0: Right. Do you get probably maybe four species?
1: You can get four. Uh, Spectacled king and stellars are on the ponds on the tundra. Okay. At that point. Common eiders are still offshore. So if there's an opening in the sea ice, yes, you can get four like that.
0: Okay, Uh, common eiders—the one to miss if you're gonna miss one. At least it would be for me. They're common. They're they're certainly common in the east. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I grew up in Maine, and gosh, they're, you know, the the cool thing I think about the eiders is, you know, the like a lot of birds, the males, you know, fertilize the egg and go hang out in the bachelor pad after Mm -hmm. that. So you'll be going along the coast and you'll see just. Eiders and they're all females and they're all or all non-adult males, all non and and then all of a sudden you see a pack of adult males just <laughs> on a rock somewhere like, I impregnated you, I'm out of here, you know? <laughs> fertilized your egg. I guess yeah. is a better word. My to say work it. here is done. Yeah, I'm done. Yeah, okay. so that's interesting, to me, interesting thing about okay. I don't I, I don't know if that's true with the other species, but that's certainly true with common. It appears to be true with common eiders.
1: At, at least for a the golden king too. it's you know, I've heard that they. You want to get there in that little window there, because then they go offshore and. Yeah. Do their hard, harder and, to see them. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Good. Uh, so, uh, if uh, if somebody wanted to go on on a an Alaskan island trip, you know, the, to see. Uh, how would how would a birder choose which one? Would you choose to go to Atu, to would you choose to go to Adak, choose to gamble? What would be, what would go through? What should go through my mind in terms of picking a choice of a of a trip if I can only go on one. Spring, fall, which place?
1: I think it just depends. You have to ask yourself what you want to see and get out of it. Um, You know, each island and each season has a little bit of a different thing about it. Uh, Like we were talking about the seabird close before. Right. St. Paul's most famous for that, you know, up close looks. Uh, Gamble has a lot of seabirds. I haven't been there myself, so I can't comment. how okay. it compare to Saint Paul, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, there's a little bit of different mix of species in each one. Uh, now, like if Eastern, you
0: Eastern vagrants, Gamble, uh Adak, Eastern, uh, yeah. uh, Asian. Oh, okay. Because uh, right. I was going to say, yeah, I I think Asian,
1: I should say, Far Eastern.
0: Yeah, Far Eastern.
1: You know, each each island, some there are some differences in expected species, but a lot of it just depends. Even other places, it's the weather. You mm-hmm. have to be there at the right time. Uh, so I think it has comes down to like when you're when you can go, and if there's anything in particular you want to see. And it's, so, but uh, yeah, but like I say, spring versus fall. Uh, fall is better for something that's completely unexpected in the springtime you're just having for the most part it's birds getting blown off course by weather uh, fall though you have you know more juvenile birds who perhaps so com- don't know completely which, messed up yeah, yeah you know are migrating 180 degrees off course so that's when you're more likely to have those
0: really strange stuff yeah Really strange stuff. Like, did I see on your Facebook page that you get up for the yellow browed warbler? Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a good example of differences between islands. Um, the Aleutians have very few old world warblers to be expected. Just occasionally you get a Kamchatka leaf warbler. Now, okay. If you go up to you know, gamble, much more likely to have a, a warbler species like that.
0: Hmm. So for whatever reason, who knows? Yeah. Uh, for those who are uh, not aware that the on near Victoria on Panama Panama Flats is mm-hmm. near Victoria, there's a yellow-browed warbler still there this morning, and I mm-hmm. might go for it tomorrow. I'm hoping. Don't <laughs> wait. We'll see. Yeah, I know. I've been waiting too long already. Yeah, yeah.
1: my first rule of chasing, and many of the other people's, is go yeah. as soon as possible. Exactly.
0: Blair Burrisson is a friend, and he was on the podcast. He says he has two rules. First rule. When you when you hear about a rarity go now second rule if you don't go now don't complain later yeah so
1: my my rule second one is when you do chase it look where the bird has been seen yes you know if you if you get there and it's not there don't go wandering off wait yeah wait. just wait there let other people wander off and if they find it they can come back and tell you but yes just,
0: i i would agree with you be patient you know mm-hmm. yeah bring your big boy patience and uh and wait yeah good Good. Uh, so your, your company, uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to say it, Zukunurehe, or something like that. Z Tours. I, I,
1: I, I usually pronounce it more American style, Zugunruha.
0: Yeah. That, that I can do that. That's yeah. better. Uh, anyway, your tour company uh, leads trips to Atu or has led trips to Atu and is going to as well as ADAC and the Pelagic. I think you're thinking of branching out to other areas. Do you have any other trips planned or are they still in the formative I'm, I'm process? I'm in the
1: early stages of like looking at Panama and Peru. I'm doing some scouting there now because you know the trips to Atu and things like that, there's a limited appeal to that. There's...
0: You're narrowing your uh, uh, audience, that's for sure.
1: And you know, in the trips to Attu, it's financially feasible only with the boat that I'm using now. I don't know any other boat that could work the same way. And the boat's probably not always going to be available. So I don't want to put all the eggs in one basket.
0: Right, right. Yeah. It's good to have. uh, And it's also, I mean, really a, a window of opportunity in the spring and maybe a window of opportunity in the fall. But there's, you know, Nine or ten other months of the yep. year, there that you might might be able to diversify into. Yeah, uh, you to mention Greenland, did it? Did Greenland? I did not. Ice Iceland, no, you didn't. But it, didn't I see on your website? It's, no, Newfoundland, maybe Newfoundland.
1: I have done trips to in, Newfoundland. Yeah, in in the past, I haven't haven't offered that recently. Oh, Okay, uh, but that was a nether uh, specialty trip going in the winter time for oh, okay. yellow legged gull and. Okay, yeah, winter so, trip. Okay, yeah.
0: so for true listers.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I've been offering trips that, like I used to go to bird festivals with and have a booth there, and people would see what I was offering, and they'd go, oh, that's too cold for me, and just walk away. Yeah, so.
0: yeah. Your audience will find you. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the birders who want to go to these places are going to know where to look, and they'll say, oh, I think I should look up John. He might be going there. Yeah, good, good. Uh, so you've also done some work with the ABA. Uh, at least I don't know how much work, but i've I've read a couple of uh rear bird uh, yeah it was, summaries it's been a, they call it's been that. a number of
1: years since okay, I've, but I was doing their you know a blog posting about rear bird sightings, oh okay. I did that for maybe two years or so
0: okay okay Nick Nick has uh, taken that over now, i think
1: Nate Nate, excuse me, Nate yeah yes. I, Nate, do you still do uh, individual posts or is it just a weekly uh, rare bird report i'm, I'm not I think sure it's
0: just the weekly one that's yeah. all i've seen yeah still yeah. It's kind of fun to read yes kind of fun to read. good so what do you see uh in your near term as a bird or in a trip do you have any uh bucket list things you want to do you mentioned you want to go i just
1: on the... i just want to see everything so i don't have any specific plans <laughs> you don't but, want to miss anything no i don't want so i i haven't put in a whole lot of thought of uh narrowing down what I should be doing so keeping
0: your keeping your options open it's
1: one way to look at it yes or procrastinating is another that's another way to look at it yeah. too
0: good so John thanks so much for being on the podcast today I really appreciate it do you have any uh, advice for birders who you know want to uh, maybe explore some less uh, heavily traveled birding spots your Alaska spots in particular uh, things that Things to think about, uh, things to scare off people who shouldn't come, things to attract people who should.
1: Mm. It's a pretty open-ended question it is. there, and it I, have, I have trouble with that. With okay, be more specific. I, you know, as far as you know, off the beaten path places—that's uh, very difficult to say because it's very hard to get to those places, and if you go there and you don't see anything, you're going to be mad at me for suggesting to go there. Oh. So. Uh, yeah yeah it's like a when you getting back to chasing a rarity go where the birds have been seen right right I'd say you know it's expensive unless you're really wanting you know the adventure of going to some you know village that's only accessible by plane I'd stick with the go know. to the standard place yeah yeah,
0: yeah probably good advice probably good advice Thanks again for being on the podcast I'll make sure in the podcast notes I list any uh, places people can contact you that sort of thing but if people want to find you uh, I know you have uh, I know you have a Facebook page and you have uh, your website
1: I would say go to the website maybe sign up for my mailing list which I I don't mail out much uh, the website is the letter Z. Followed by bird tours, so just z bird tours. No hyphen, no just z no. bird
0: tours, all one word.
1: Yeah. dot com. Okay. I do have a Facebook page, but I'm not really pro Facebook at all, so I haven't been <laughs> using it for the past couple of years. Okay. I don't want to pay to promote my page. Sure. So I basically the only place you're going to get new information is from my website and okay. the mailing list
0: ztours.com, and get on the mailing list. zbirdtours.com. Z,
1: zbirdtours, excuse me,
0: zbirdtours.com. Yep. Get on the website, get on the mailing list. You'll find out about the trips. That sounds good. Thanks again for being on the podcast today. Okay. I appreciate it.
1: All right. Thanks for having me. Take care.
0: Well, that wraps up the Bird Banner Podcast, episode number 37 with John Puschak. I'll make sure I leave links in both my blog site on birdbanner.com and in the podcast notes to John's company, some of the things John talked about in the podcast today. So until next time, good birding, good day.